G'day Beppers and welcome to BEP 2023. Uh, in our first pod series of this year, we're going to be breaking up teams into groups of three and we're going to talk about not so much about fantasy relevant players on those teams, but more so about fantasy relevant information about those teams. So we're going to talk about who had CBAs for teams last year, who's going to get them this year and we're also going to talk about what rookies might be playing in round one as well as the type of game style these teams play to finish off with we're going to be talking about uh, some bold predictions some BEP bold predictions for each of these teams and we're also going to shout out one player we think might be breaking out for these teams to kick things off we're going to be talking about north gws and the eagles so enjoy So before we get started talking about the three most exciting teams in the comp, North, GWS, and West Coast, I wanted to ask you and for the listeners, Nug, how is your New Year's and Christmas and just the general holiday festivities? Yeah, not not too bad, mate. Obviously, you've still got the little one around, so it's um, pretty pretty quiet for New Year's, um, as you'd expect. But no, I got down to Rye for a few nights and sort of had a chill one. How was yours? Nice. Yeah, it was a pretty large week. I probably drunk as many beers as runs as David Warner scored in the Boxing Day test. But um, yeah, still still pulling up and recovering, but the brain switched back on a couple of days ago and uh, yeah, super keen to get into the content for this year. Uh, we also have to announce that we booted Miller from the pod after his intro on the last episode. It was... Um, <laughs> It was funny, but it was it was drawn out, wasn't it? No. Yeah, terrible stuff. We um, we did we did tell him, you know, you're here to give us some creative flair, but then he goes and does that, so yeah, we had to give him the ass. Yeah, none. In all seriousness, <laughs> he's uh he's down shredding waves in uh, Apollo Bay. So if anyone can crop his head onto like the surfs up uh, penguin or something, <laughs> I'd, I'd greatly appreciate that. All right. <laughs> Enough preamble. Let's get into the cold, hard stuff. So the first thing that we're going to walk you through is, uh, there won't be too much analysis here, it's just going to be kind of reading stats, uh, is through the 2022 CBA numbers from the three teams I mentioned before. So for North Melbourne, uh, we're not going to mention Ruckman either, just because they're kind of their Mm -hmm. own thing. uh, And yeah, they're just very separate to the mids. So... Uh, yeah, for North, uh, Simkin had 83%, LDU had 70%, Greenwood had 53%, Cunnington 52%, Vaughan Francis 42%, Jed Anderson 39 and Taron Thomas 34%. We're also only going to mention guys that had above 30% for the season because each team's got about 20 blokes who had less than 10% because they um, might have had one game with high numbers or had like a random center bounce every week or something so yeah so uh nug tell us about the giants last year so for the giants um we had tom green actually led the way with 58 percent jacob hopper 52 cogs 49 josh kelly 47 taranto 44 ward 38 
Um, I thought I'd mention Perryman 29 as well because he had a few in the back end of the year. Sneak him in. So, yeah, yeah. In- interesting that they seem to have a bit more of a spread. North sort of had, like, guys higher and uh, then guys lower, whereas the Giants all sort of seem to be together. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, most teams you'll see at least one or two 70% sort of players. But, yeah, no, the Giants didn't even have a 60 last year, so... Yeah, all right, interesting. Um, just shows how many mids they have. Yeah, and I think you have West Coast there as well for us. Yeah, so West Coast, we had Kelly with a whopping 84%. Um, Shui had 67 Then we had Jai Kelly with uh, 50 Zaver Neal with 43 um, Rioli with 30 as well. Uh, Sheed had like 88 or something in the one game that he played as well. Yeah, right. Surprising me that Rioli was so high. I didn't even realize he played on the ball. But yeah, he is. You know how like the, sometimes the Suns would start ranking in a center bounce, and the D's do it with Cosy Pickett. Yeah, as well. Sometimes yeah, it's a similar sort of thing, I reckon. Yeah, oh, very interesting. Get the good ball movers, ball users with their hands in the footy. All right, so uh, the next thing we're gonna we're kind of gonna move on from these pretty quickly to keep their speed going so we're not waffling uh the next thing we want to talk about is rookies who might be playing in round one we didn't want to talk about guys who are a chance to play like all of next year because the most important thing for coaches is who could be there in round one uh because yeah like if it if we were to name guys who are a chance of getting a game next year there'd probably be a hundred of them so yeah we'll just who's there a chance for round one um for north so and again, these are like rookie price guys, so not necessarily like first year guys coming in. Uh, so Will Phillips is at two seventy k. I would be unless he's injured, I'd be stunned if he's not in their round one team. Uh, apparently, he's you know I was going to talk about him a bit more later, but yeah, he's in uh, really good shape, and uh, I'd expect Clarko will be pretty keen to see what he's capable of in round one. Uh, Wardlaw was one of their top. Uh, I think he was picked. Two or three, whatever she... He was hot, picked very high, three or four. Uh, he is dealing with like a hamstring. They're sort of like building him in because he, he had like a hamstring issue so that he's doing like a bit of running uh, and they're trying to see, to just make sure it's not his running gait that's causing his hamstring issues at the moment. So he's kind of being built into the program pretty slowly. Uh, so whether or not that puts a question mark around him for round one, I don't know, but as a like midfielder drafted highly, you would expect that if he's fit and available, like he should probably be a pretty good chance for round one. The other one of their high picks, uh, Sheasel, he he's sort of like that in between a body type, which probably means he can he will be AFL ready coming in straight away. Like he's not necessarily like a big tall uh, gangly giant who's going to need like a couple years to pile on muscle he can be effective at ground level as well as in the air so I, I would expect him to play north don't have many like dynamic players forward of center they're sort of got their big suva as like their big target and then paul curtis is really good at ground level but in between that there's not a lot there so i think he'd play uh they're sort of the only three rookie price guys that i think should play around one if they're fit uh, the other guy, disappointingly, Goda played in the last game last year and scored 83. So he's 
way out of price calculations for us. But uh, yeah, quite a bummer because he would have been bargain basement price and he's probably a lock to play around one as well. But yeah, uh, I think you've got the Giants there for us, mate. Yeah, I, I had a look around and I think um, it's been like this quite often, but a lot of the Giants sort of back-end players seem to be a lot of random blokes that average around the 50, 50 mark, to be honest. Um, so you don't, re- we haven't really gotten too many good rookies there recently. I don't know how the new coach will go in playing rookies. He might want to blood a few. Um, but I think Cadman should get a go pretty early on. Obviously, you don't pick him because he's a key forward. Other than that, I think they'll all be fighting pretty hard for a spot. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, they'll probably be a bit irrelevant too. Uh, yeah. if they do play. I think they play a lot of they played a lot of kids last year, so there's not many guys there that are basement price like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so for the Eagles, uh Chessa is still not quite in full training. They're still building up his loads. I think he's getting close to full training though. Uh but considering like he like I think he was gonna be probably picked for round one this year if he didn't do his ankle in hit the preseason match. But coming off like a year of not being able to yeah. do any full training or playing footy at any level really it might take him a, they might want to bring him back through the waffle before round one but you'd have to think like if he's fit and firing he's a fair chance to play in round one there are other two high picks um i don't know how to say it's ginby jinby uh him and hewitt they're like they're kind of both midfielders and i i think it's going to be if all the west coast mids are healthy i think they're going to struggle to get into the team because West yeah. Coast midfield is still pretty good if they're all fit. Uh, but knowing them, there'll probably be some injuries. So I'd, I'd say at least one of Jinby or uh, Hewitt will be there in round one, but kind of no promises there. Yeah, I think um, even if they do get a go at it, there's um, considering West Coast seem to be healthy for the first time in a while, uh, it'll probably they probably won't be in a good enough role for us to pick at that sort of price. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely not. They were both top 10 picks, so they're not uh, not an attractive price for us. Um, moving on to... Now we're going to talk about like the CBAs we're predicting for next year. Uh, so the way when we were doing this... So pretty much we excluded Ruckman for the same reason as before, but... Over the course of a game between the three midfielders, their CBAs need to add up to 300% because there needs to be three guys in there like 100% of the time, if that makes sense. So if you look at like any single game CBA figures from last year and take out the Ruckman, it'll add up to 300%. So we wanted to try and add these up to 300%. Uh, And yeah, I guess if all these guys are fit and healthy in round one, this is what we are probably expecting the teams to roll with. So for North, I'd expect Simkin and LDU both to have a really high number of CBAs. I'd say they both could be as high as 80%. LDU showed a bit this year that he's... His like game time uh, got up into like the nineties, so he can be out there a bit, which is similar to Simkin. I think they'll be out there a lot. Cunnington coming back in, he, like he he got back and played footy this year, so he sh- will have a full preseason. Should be really fit. I'd say he'll go up around like seventy percent of CBAs, just unless Clarko is really keen on blooding kids. But I think he'll be up there. Um, yeah. And then I'm squeezing in Phillips for thirty five percent and Taz Thomas for. Uh, 35% as well I think like 
Going back to their numbers from last year, Juan Francis with 42, he's gone. Anderson with 39, he's gone. Greenwood had 53, and any North supporter you talk to will tell you that Greenwood's probably not going to play a game next year. Uh, Just like he was average this year. So, yeah, they're kind of what I'm predicting for North. What do you think of that, Yeah, I think that's pretty bang on. I think um, if you're sort of expecting Clarko to play the kids or to to give them more of a run in the midfield, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> Being a Hawks fan, I saw him try and drag a team from like 2016 to 2020 uh, trying to win games when he should have been really getting kids through the middle. Um, and that's why we are where we are now. Obviously, we did have some talent, but yeah, I'd expect him to play the older heads. People like Cunnington should be in there just as much as um, LDU and the likes, I'd say. Yes, yeah, wait. Uh, and you had GWS for us? Yeah, so uh, as I said earlier, um, widespread of players last year, and a few of those have gone out. Um, so there's a, a few more high percentage players, which could mean good things for our fantasy squads. I've got Cogs at 75%. I think he'll be, uh, no pun intended, I think he'll be the, the key cog in there. Um, and then, then I've got Green at 70%. So he led them last year. That was only at 58%. But uh, Kelly at 65%. I still expect him to play a little bit outside. Perryman at 35%. Ward still kicking along at 30%. And then I've got Finn Callahan uh, at 25 as well. Yeah, nice. I'd, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I reckon those three big dogs are going to do the vast majority of work for the Giants and then yeah, yeah find some other guys around that. And uh, you did West Coast for us too? Yeah, West Coast was a bit tricky. They've they've got a lot of guys around the edges who you could put in there and we don't really know what um what's going to happen with Yo and where he's going to play. Um, but I've gone Kelly, 75%. I think he'll obviously be in there most of the time. Shui dropping a little bit to 60%. Jai Kali uh, up a little bit to 60%. Sheed at about 55 That's normally what he does, at least in his last couple of years where he has played a bit inside. And Yo, I've just put it 50%. I think he'll be a bit of Mr. Fix-It and he'll play a bit of back as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, it's definitely a hard team to predict with how many injuries they had last year. I sort of guessing a bit but I think they'll want to try and be competitive at least like while they've like that's still a good midfield that you just said so if they're all fit they should get a go but I think if the wheels kind of if they lose early games and they get some injuries I think they're going to go like open slather um full rebuild really uh yeah so we're kind of ripping through this at a good pace so it's good uh the next thing that we're what we're talking about is uh, game style. So we wanted to talk about like kind of how a team plays um, and how that like relates to fantasy. So like whether or not they're like a high contested team that you might see a lot of handballs and tackles or if they play really fast or like uh, if they're going to play like multiple tools or how many guys they put through the midfield, kind of how they move the ball out of the back line, like those sort of things is what we're going to be talking about. So I'll kick us off with North. I think, so the first thing I'll say about North is it's Clarko's being, like the reason he said he wanted to go around the world last year and stuff was to kind of like gather information about what other sporting teams and leagues are doing and like how things are trending there. And that was where the whole like Clarko's cluster idea came from, like similar experiences 
he had overseas watching like how teams defended in soccer and stuff so we could see like something completely new from the ruse next year and it is kind of exciting that it is like a bit of a great unknown of what he's going to try and do with North. I'd say like number one, his focus will probably be on making them like harder to score against because they've been a bit of a sieve the last few years. But I think the sort of person Clarko is and the coach he is, I can't see North going like completely negative. Like I don't think they're going to be like playing eight defenders and chipping the ball yeah. around. Like if they're going to, if they get the ball, the intent is going to be to finish every possession chain with a score uh, as it is for most teams but more away from that like we just want to retain possession so the other team doesn't have the ball I think they're still going to want to be uh, really aggressive one of the things that he really has been big on apparently is that he wants them to be more like dynamic forward of centre so how I would relate this to fantasy is that good or bad um, I would, I'd say like that sort of mean dynamic forward of centre is a bit hard to like, I don't what that means. I'd say it means, like, I don't think they're going to be playing, like, Charlie Combin and Colin Jones or, and Cherry in the same forward line together. Like, these big, lumpy guys who can't really do anything at ground level because as much as Larky's, like, okay at ground level, his, he's, like, best attributes are definitely in the air. So I think that sort of means I reckon we're going to see Larky and one other tall and then I reckon we're going to see like a bunch of medium sized small guys around it like your Sheasels and uh, Paul Curtis and Thomas and those sort of guys so I think we'll see Larky get up the ground a bit more which might mean we see like someone like Thomas when he's forward he might be playing out of the goal square a bit to uh, just give them that different look like if you're am I right in saying this that like Cyril played out of the goal square a fair bit at the Hawks yeah, you'd even, like, back in the day, you used to even get Luke Bruce out of the goal square um, in the sort of, like, 2016 days. Um, yeah, and Clarko hasn't, at least with the Hawks, he didn't really ever rest the mids at, like, full forward. Um, they would they would sort of... I think it was probably a bit personnel-based when you have, like, a Hodge and a Mitchell. They're obviously more of a defending-type player, so they played a bit more half-back when they were resting. But... Um, yeah, it was, it was like the Cyrils, the Bruce, the Wingards. Those were the guys that they'd be like impact players in the middle and then you sort of play them out of the square and let them use their one-on-one uh, talent. Yeah, beautiful. So yeah, that's kind of like what you're saying to me about how you kind of like Thomas next year with um, how Clarkson used Wingard at the end as that like midfielder yeah. who then also goes and plays a full forward. I think we'll see a lot of that from... Taz, I don't think we'll see any of it from LDU. He is just a gun. You don't waste him not being in the midfield. But Cunnington also we might see a bit of because he's such a good contested mark. Like If you get the chance to get him one out in the square, you might do it. But Larky's best games did come from when he was in the goal square leading up at the ball. So I think we'll just see like a a fair bit of a mix in there. We'll see see a lot more tactics from North this year. Uh, Last year was pretty much like... Let's try and not lose by 90 points. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, yeah, as for ball movement, I'm honestly... I'm not even going to predict anything. Who fucking knows what Clarko is going to do? Their marks will probably go up. I think they were, like, the fifth lowest or something in the league this year. Yeah, so their marks were fifth last. So that will go up, you'd think. Uh, but beyond that, who knows? It's gonna. They'll have a game plan. That's kind of all I'll say there. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... 
probably like defenders like obviously it's really hard to pick this bloke but like someone like Aaron Hall um, if Clarko is going with the older guys and trying to win games and things like that Aaron Hall could be absolutely bonkers because Clarko loves a, a defender that can rack up the pill like that yeah um, but yeah that that's obviously how they used to play it depends how he's going to do things nowadays yeah I, if Hall I can, I'll never pick Hall again even if he has like yeah. five games in a row at 130 because you know he's yeah bit of a ticking time bomb apparently he got a rocket early in the preseason uh, yeah of course about getting like his body right so i also the other guy i forgot to mention with that full forward stuff would be steve i think we'll see him back to the goal square like he was at collingwood a lot more but yeah, yeah you're right like if we find value in one of those guys coming and playing that's why it's so annoying that goda played the last game last year and is priced at bloody 83 or whatever yeah as if he hadn't um hadn't done that he'd be like he'd be right for the picking but yeah yeah uh so game star stuff for the giants what did you have there yeah another big unknown i reckon obviously kingsley big pipes kingsley comes in massive pipes Uh, yeah huge size of my head and i've got a big head um yeah so he was obviously came from richmond um and has says he has said he wants to play faster um, less marks will probably be the outcome. One thing I did wanted to want to mention is that um, over like the recent years, GWS have only averaged about fifty more fantasy points than Richmond, so it might be less marks. But I think that's also a little bit personnel based. Um, Richmond haven't had that many good scorers. You sort of see the top enders like Dusty had a one fourteen, Shorts had a couple of big years, Prestia players like that have had a few big years but for the most part it was a team of like really really good role players whereas the giants has always been like the ferraris and the spuds for the most part um so i think it might even itself out a little bit when you talk about personnel um you still saw players like short have plenty of touches down back and there is still ball to go around under that sort of richmond game style but i think it's sort of more mid and forward of center um, there won't be like barely any sideways movement. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think it's important to like know that Kingsley coming across, it's not going to be like he's not just going to rip Richmond's game plan and do the <laughs> exact same thing. I yeah. think that's not as much what Mug's saying, but it's definitely like if that's the philosophy of the place he's coming from, then it's going to be you're going to assume that he's probably going to have a similar philosophy at uh, the at the Giants as he did at the Tigers so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens I think if they do play really fast then I actually think it means like someone like Whitfield I think Whitfield doesn't get that much like that many shit possessions he's someone like he wants to use going forward he just Uh, runs all day that's how he gets so much of it it's not because he's like waiting for cheap ones yeah so if they're playing fast like back in the early days with Leon Cameron they did play fast and that's when Whitfield was at his best so yeah we could see him be alright and there was one guy I was watching a video that Kingsley was being interviewed in and he specifically shouted out Lockie Ash as someone who if they are going to try and play faster we might see Ash go back to halfback and uh, start racking up pill, but yeah. yeah. One sort of thing I did want to talk about with the Giants. This is a player. I, I, it's more of a gut feel thing, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty hot on him. That's Isaac Cumming. I know I've I've seen a few comments from you that you're not <laughs> so hot on him. 
I, I want to get your take. Um, one reason I'm keen on him, he dropped a few points, obviously, from that year that he did break out. Um, had a, a fair chunk of um, kickouts last year, and I think that'll continue. Um, six or so marks, so not a ridiculous amount. I can't see that dropping by probably more than one. But um, if he's used as sort of a main distributor, I'm pretty hot on him as like a D1 since I don't really like many people priced above that. Yeah, my main reasoning is that I don't think he will be the main distributor. I think he's going to uh, slowly morph into more of a uh, more of like a big key defender because they just they don't have like that much there. Like if Phil Davis is playing, then. Yeah, you got Davis and you got Taylor, and you can kind of get away with coming being a bit freer. But as soon as like Davis goes down, which unfortunately, like I'll, I always feel bad saying like it's inevitable people get injured, but it is probably inevitable Phil Davis gets injured if you look yeah. at his kind of like track record over the years. And then if you look at like the rest of their list, like Haynes, uh, maybe if yeah. Lecalier comes on, he could yeah. he could be good and free up. Uh, coming a bit more but I think Cummings is going to be like a carbon copy of I'm just getting PTSD from Ridley to be honest I think we're going to see right, similar okay. thing happen I want to I'm going to go I'm going to suss out how tall he is I know he's like on the taller side of a, a gen defender but let's see oh he's only he's 188 I thought yeah he could be like a third tall but I feel like they they might get Himmelberg back there if Davis does go down or yeah. Uh, yeah, look at Alir or someone like that. But I think it depends where Whitfield plays. If Whitfield's playing off the half back line, um, then yeah, he probably won't coming probably won't have much improvement. But if winging if Whitfield is playing on the wing, um, and sort of free roaming or even that half forward role he had a few years ago, then it could be a good play. Yeah. I think the other thing that made me think that a bit was with uh Lockie Ash, if he uh, yeah, I I don't think he's more back. of like a a mark kick sort of player. Yeah. Like he just goes, and I, even though he's like he's a pretty good fantasy player, but um, he is he's more a, a goer than he is a, a ball getter. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be be interesting. I also had coming for a bit last year, and he just showed a genuine lack of snout at times. Like there was, he just would stand there when he could run and get the ball like an easy kick so that kind of shut me a bit so there's a little bit of personal grudge in there too but <laughs> yeah yeah uh i'll move us on to uh west coast so i guess like sorry their season last year was that they were like decimated by injuries like seriously like next level stuff so it meant that even from like game style and all that stuff, like it wasn't what we'd, I mean, they still did. I think they led the league in, no, they were second in marks. Uh, but then they, they all were the worst contested possession team in the comp. So they had like the biggest differential between the two, which is, uh, yeah, which is probably not great when, um, not a, not a great recipe, I guess, for being like a really good team. Like generally we see that, Good teams are good contested teams. Uh, not all the time, but generally they're not the worst contested team. Like to, and it means that like whenever they're getting the ball, they're getting it at, in their back half, and they're kind of having to just like chip the ball around because they can't go anywhere. So I think it's hard to say, but I think like I would expect that like if their midfield is fit and if they've got like Nick Nat in there, winning. Uh, winning lots of hit outs, getting it down to like good, 
good ball movers, then maybe they're going to... Um, that dial will shift back to a little bit more of what they've done. They've always been like a really big ball control team, but it kind of went out of control last year to the point that they weren't controlling the ball to dominate games. They were doing it to like stop the bleeding a lot of the time. So yeah, that will be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, like I don't actually have too much uh, stuff about the way the Eagles are going to play. I think it's just going to be... They're going to definitely come out trying to win early because they're going to think that last year they were just destroyed by injuries. Uh, I actually think the Eagles will win the spoon next year. I think their list is beyond those midfield guys we mentioned who are nearly all injury prone. And then like maybe Darling, but who he's already had like a back issue at training. Um, and then like McGovern and Barras, like there's a lot of guys on that list who are yet to prove themselves as like AFL footballers. And again, if... Yeah they do get run down with injuries again. I think it could be like a rough year for them. So yeah, game style stuff. I think we're going to see them try and play like that they have in the past, um, which does mean guys like, oh, I would never pick him, but guys like Gaff are relevant. Uh, guys like Hearn, who again, never pick another injury prone West Coast player, but they, yeah, they're going to have like a lot of uncontested marks and probably not too much contested stuff is sort of the theme of the way the Eagles play but yeah. I think they'll struggle a lot yeah it'll only take one of them to go down and they'll be in tank for Wemby mode yeah tank for oh <laughs> the, the guy who's going to go number one next year I forgot his name he looks like He's an absolute gun, right? yeah he looks like yeah. an absolute machine he was like bottom agile like just running around fending guys off kicking snaps over his shoulder and stuff he looks like a yeah. freak yeah, so, yeah, he'll be good at Hawthorne next year. Go, go get the number one pick. Be a tank off between the Hawks and the Eagles. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. <laughs> no, nah, like if, if everyone's fit for West Coast, they, they get that big advantage playing in WA. And I hate to like slag a team, but like there's got to be a few teams that are bad. And I see a lot more, as much as they get all these guys back who weren't there this last year, I see more upside with other teams like, around them like the crows and uh, like even i think north would be a bit better there north probably have almost like a similar number of guys who are afl level players and they got a lot less injury prone players than the eagles so yeah yeah anyway enough talking about the giants should be much better i think as well yeah i think the giants will still struggle they still got a lot of shit there i i don't want to say shit i don't like calling AFL players shit but they got a lot of guys who are yet to prove themselves as well yeah. and uh but their, their top end is like better than any of the other bottom teams I think like their yeah. Toby Greens their Sam Taylors their Josh Kelly's Tom Greens the other bottom teams yeah. don't really have that yeah uh, yeah for sure so the last thing we we're going to talk on uh was just one player we think is going to break out and I'm going to surprise you with something after that uh, so the breakouts for me, I did North Melbourne, uh, and I get kind of talked about him a little bit before, but the guy I'm expecting to break out is Will Phillips. So just going back to his junior stuff, he averaged 78 as a bottom age junior in 2019, which is like pretty good considering when you're at that age, you're like 16, 17, 18, and you're 
uh, like the difference between being a 17 and an 18 year old is like huge with like muscle mass and uh, development and growth and everything. So averaging 78 as a junior is pretty good, especially when Phillips is already like an undersized mid and he was playing in a team with like Matt Real and Noah Anderson. So he probably wasn't getting like a bunch of midfield time either. So it's pretty good. And then obviously 2020, there were no junior games, so we didn't get any stats in there. So I think that 2020 year probably compounded into 2021 for him with uh, not having any footy. Like he really struggled to get his feet under him. And because he is so small, like it's going to, he's going to take a bit to find his confidence, which you often see with smaller guys. Like they get into the AFL for a reason because they're like extremely highly skilled to be so small and get drafted. You got to be a gun, especially to be so small and get drafted picked three or whatever he was so there's just gotta be like so much talent there and then he had this year ruined by injury but uh apparently he is in the best like physical shape of his life like strength wise and aerobic fitness wise so i think like maybe he's not gonna he's probably not gonna break out and go like 90 or anything but considering he's 270k like i think if he's playing round one he'll be probably like m7 and maybe even m6 if you start a few rookie mids for like a lot of teams because I think he he's definitely got massive like upside on his points and third year players would have been in the gym in an AFL environment for oh this would be like his third preseason now so because Galangelo didn't strike him until kind of just before the season last year so he still would have got a lot of that physical growth over the last preseason so yeah I'm super stoked to see what he can do next year yeah, no, I like that one. I think he's um, he's a pretty pretty much a no brainer pick, provided he's playing. Bloody yeah. earth! All right, GWS breakout. Um, it's got to be Tom Green for me. Um, he did average the most CBAs for GWS last year. Um, but that was heavily front ended. He he was way he was way more in there in the front half than he was the back. Um. He did average 95 when attending 65% or more CBAs. Um, I'm not... When we say breaker, I don't mean he's going to go 110 or anything like that. I'm not sure he's going to ever be that sort of player. Um, I think he'll sort of peak around a 105... um, A 105 sort of average. Um, But I think 95 is sort of the baseline where he'll be. If if he's in there 70 to 80%, he could push 105... Um, and you probably need at least 100 for it to be worthwhile picking him. Yeah, and you know how much I love Tom Green. Yeah. Uh, I won't add too much to that, or we'll, uh, I'll be having to go get some tissues soon. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, if you want to know how much I love him, just go scroll through the BEP advent calendars, and I did the Tom Green post, so you can find yeah. that in there for my thoughts. But uh, yeah. to the, the Weagles, who's going to break out? in the West? Uh, I've got Jai Cully. So he averaged uh, 67.5, and he only played four games in his first year there. Uh, with the discount, he's priced at 55. Um, we saw sort of what Newcomb did, and I think Newcomb's a bit more advanced and a better player um, than Cully, but Cully did average 7.5 tackles in his few games there. Um, only 13 touches, but... You saw someone like I think it was it Sam Berry that uh, that averaged like eighty five this year purely yeah. off tackles. Um, I could see Cully being a similar sort of player to that. Couldn't pick him in the midfield, but 
if he goes 55 to 85, that's a fair jump in average. Yeah, I think if you are in like doing a draft league, I think I'd jump on Cully a lot higher than he'll be like ranked by a lot of people. He, yeah, I know someone who uh, from WA who went to a session and I asked him about Cully, and I just got in reply in capitals tearing the place apart. So <laughs> yeah, I reckon look at like everyone's tearing it apart in preseason, but Cully, yeah. um, I'm stoked for him too. So two great breakout picks from you there. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All right. Now, the surprise I'm going to do. So, as the uh, original custodians of the AFL fantasy bold predictions, I think it would be (laughs) remiss of us to not do a bold prediction for each of these teams. So, neither of us have prepared anything, so we're going to be thinking on the spot here. But I was thinking about it with North Melbourne. And should we make them fantasy-related or generally related? What do you reckon? I think we'll go fantasy. Okay. You can do a do a, a regular one if you want to as well. Yeah, we'll do both. So All first right. one for North, I'm going to predict uh, Steve O is going to kick over 40 goals. That not fantasy related, but he's going to yeah. be back to his brilliant best. And then bold predictions, uh, Ben Cunnington will be F1 for like at the end of the season. He'll be average for <laughs> the Ducks. That is insane. I'm on the Cunnington train as well, but F1... Oh, as I said it, I forgot that Dunkley's there, but... Okay, yeah. maybe F2. Uh, I think he's going to be crazy good Yeah, I think so as well. Um, yeah, he's almost a lock for me, to be honest. Anyway, I'll hit you with some GWS ones. Um, so, fantasy-related, I think Cogs is F1. I think he could Wait. go 112, is what I'm Oof. saying. Um, pretty easy pick for me. Um, footy related. What do we do? Oh. Toby Green wins the Brownlow. <laughs> <laughs> Kicks 70 goals and wins the Brownlow. That would be the greatest like spectacle ever. Yeah, if imagine Toby that. Green kicks 70 goals. <laughs> Could you imagine the shit he'd be talking to? Yeah. Oh, he do like the Conor McGregor walk up to get the medal, I reckon. <laughs> Imagine his speech. Gee <laughs> oh. whiz. Um, what should we do for West Coast? Um, I don't know. Oh, that's probably not bold, but mm, no one averages over a hundred. That's probably pretty I, safe, isn't it? When I was thinking, if I had to do West Coast, I was going to say that exact same thing. I yeah. I think they're gonna not have any good scorers this year. Yeah. Um, what about for them as a team? Who's oh. Well mine was that they'll win the spoon. Yeah, I'll say um I don't know. I don't really care about West Coast, to be honest, mate. Like, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, leave it, we'll put it up there as, yeah. as my one for West Coast. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are going to win the sprint. All right. So we'll call it there. Uh, thanks We've got a few for... questions, I think, mate. Oh, yes, we do. Well, there were some yeah, great yeah, questions, too. Questions I was yeah. excited to talk about. I haven't prepared for any of them, but I'll get them up. There's only one that I really, 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 really liked. The others were good. Everyone loved the questions, guys. But the one about (laughs) taggers was was keen to talk about. All right. 
Um, Benno, he's first up. Do you think Cogs can match it with the big mids? Bulk value in the forwards. Can we run him in the mids until a forward gets injured? In brackets, always happens. Well, that was your your bold call, and I probably agree with you about Cogger. So yeah, I I think we kind of talked about him a bit before, but yeah, I think I think you don't even. I think you can just start him. Does he Benno mean like start him in the midfield? In the yeah, I, nah, I believe so. I reckon. I honestly think we go like five deep in the forward line. Yeah, especially year. if you've got There's like so many good ones. Yeah, especially if like Toby McLean and um, Taz Thomas and players like that are looking like they'll yeah. be good picks. Like I can't see an issue with like I don't want to get too much into the straight classic chat, but like. Uh, Dunkley, Cunnington, Rosie, Cogs, and uh, Dillmore. Like, I can't say many issues with any of them. I think they're all going to be huge. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too hot on Rosie, but everyone else other than that, I can see them all being good picks. Fair. Um, banana Fritters, any word on Tar- Taron Thomas training across halfback? So I tried to work out where this rumour was coming from. I believe it started when Fox Footy did a best 22 for each team and they listed Thomas at halfback with no explanation as to why they did it. And then from then, I think people started talking about if he's going to play halfback or not. Brady Rawling said, like, I think it was like sometime in November that their plan is to play him predominantly forward with stints through the midfield. Uh, and that's what I would expect. I really tried hard to find out about Thomas. Uh, where he's been training, but I couldn't find much. But I, based off what Rawlings said, I think that's a better indicator than some Muppet at Fox Footy uh, putting him <laughs> at halfback. So, yeah, yeah that's I where think I think it started. Bad. I could be wrong. If if I um, let me know, because if he is going to go to halfback, he becomes really interesting. But yeah, um, and yeah, just going off what Clarko has done in the past, Thomas isn't the sort of player he likes to put at halfback. Yeah. Um. All right, Jason asks, who is going to take the forward, uh, the 50-50 forward mid Rioli role? I assume that's for West Coast. What do you reckon? I think it's a pretty highly skilled role. I don't think it's a role that they like fit because they need someone who does it. I think it's a role yeah. that like, if the player is good enough, they'll get that role. And I don't think anyone... like that. I can't see them giving Jermaine Jones like 40% <laughs> CBAs or anything. So I honestly mm. would say that role will just be gone and it'll just be a bunch of guys going through the midfield would be my uh, guess yeah yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't you couldn't handpick anyone and even the sort of player that would do a role like that is probably not uh, relevant for fantasy anyway yeah um Gecko Hands McLovin asks is Clarko's cluster back do you know who that is no that's a Jax oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good Twitter handle yeah, that's very good. Uh, so Clarko, Clarko's cluster, um, <laughs> maybe. I reckon it. I reckon we're gonna have something new next year from Clarko, yeah. something with a different name. Yeah. Um. All right. Can we trust anything at North, or is this a throw muck a wall and see what hits? Yeah. I think we can trust stuff. Yeah. I. I think. There's definitely going to be a lot of experimentation. He's going to want to see what he has with players that are there. Yeah. Like, 
guys are going to get chances in things. But I think coming out early in the year, at least, there's going to be some pretty like clearly defined roles. And if the player is good enough, they'll stay in that role. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Clarko's pretty... Like, he, he, he's not stubborn uh, in, like, he will change things, but he's not the type of bloke to be like, oh, we've lost four games, that's it, we're just going to defend all year long, sort yep. of thing. He, he will stick with it, so um, there will, like, there will be a strategy there, I'm sure. Um, Hawker asked, what's the starting midfield for each of these teams? See, I think we kind of did that. Uh, with the CBA predictions, which we're going to condense down and they'll be kind of drip-fed on the BEP over the coming week until the next episode releases. So make sure to interact with us there and let us know kind of what you think of our predictions. Yep. Um, Russ asks, Andy Brayshaw plays North Melbourne and West Coast in rounds two and three. Do they look to tag him? Nelson has been delisted, so is there anyone else that can do it at West Coast? Clarko employed the tags at times at the Hawks with Howe. Um, could he do it at North Melbourne? And if yes, who would be the tagger? Big question. Big question. This is I liked this question because it made me have a bit of a think about things. Uh, so for the Eagles, I, I'd i be very surprised for their tag if their midfield's fully fit. Like, if Yo, Yo is a really good like defensive mid sort of like crusher, and then with... Like, Sheed, Shuey, and Kelly are all so good offensively that with Nick Nat spoon-feeding the ball down their throat and uh, Oscar Allen coming in there as, like, the backup ruck back from injury missed, like, all of this year. I think, uh, yeah, I just can't see a reason for the Eagles to come out and tag early in the year next year. Uh, I'd be, yeah, very surprised if they do. I think they'll back themselves into winning clearances. Maybe if shit hits the fan, like, Kelly might get a lockdown role. But, yeah, I'd be... I'd be surprised if the Eagles are tagging. Uh, with the Ruse, so Clarko has obviously tagged quite a lot in the past. Like I think Sewell did a bit of tagging, Shields did a bit, Howe did a yep. bit. Uh, even th- Warple at times. Yeah, even yeah, Warple later on. So I think I think I would be I'd almost be expecting North to be tagging. And what but what I think they're gonna do is try and blood one of the kids in that tagging role. So whether that's like a Tom Power to teach, like, the two of the big focuses for Powell and Phillips, I think, are, like, learning the other side of the ball. So if they get a year, then maybe they'll be given a year as a tagger to kind of learn that defensive running uh, part of the game, uh, which we might see. So, like, if you look at some of the best midfielders in the comp right now, I used to be taggers, like, well, for fantasy anyway. Like, Guthrie was... Took was, Steele was, Keys was, and even like Sarong did a bit of tagging, who's sort of starting to really explode now. So I would, I doubt we'll see Howe or Shields in a role like that because, like, what are they going to learn from it, at least early in the year? But I think we might see one of the kids get a chance to kind of grow that area of their game as a tagger. But yeah, I, I really expect North to tag next year. Yeah, I also think uh, that he'll get a tag from St. Kilda in round one. Um, Ross the boss has, has been oh, yeah. the type to have a tagger in the past we know this and he, uh, if you've ever listened to him talk on a Sunday Arvo when Frio are always playing he bloody loves Andy Brayshaw and he thinks he's a freak as he is he um, always yeah. says why isn't he getting tagged yeah yeah I could uh, yeah I'd almost lock that in as well yeah I think we'll see uh, 
Crowley and Clinton Jones dusting off the boots to come out of yeah. retirement. Yeah. For Ross. I wonder who, who do you reckon will do it for the Saints? Uh, Windhag I did a bit this year. Oh, that's and, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's built for that sort of role, at least early in his career. So, Imagine what happens if Steele goes back into a tent. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> That'd be madness. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, all right, anything else, mate? I think we might have covered it all. Oh, I reckon we covered it all. I reckon this was a banging episode of the BEP. Yep. I like it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, yeah, as we said, we'll be still pretty active on the social media account, so make sure to get around us there. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, for hopefully the... the game bloody opens sometime in January. That'd be a good, day. Eh? Yeah, I reckon they must be having issues or something if it's not open yet. Yeah, it's been... Ridiculous been a while but yeah until then this would be a main source of content or BEP only so uh yeah get around it chuck out the rest all right cheers everyone don't forget to put miller's head on a surf's up uh image someone i could definitely yep. do it but i would laugh if someone did yep. it for me so and if if any of our listeners are in apollo bay or from apollo bay and you get eyes on miller please take a photo i want to see spotted posts everywhere oh yeah yeah yeah. Yep. All right. Recognize All right. that we didn't. Yeah. 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 Yeah.